decided that we had to talk about Abducted in Plain Sight this week. From the craziness of the case to the vintage documentary style, there's a lot to talk about here, and we are ready with all the info. Join us as we dive into the two-time abduction of Dran Broberg in the 70s and the story of their family and their relationship with the abductor, Robert Birchtold. So let's spill the tea. I'm Alyssa. I'm Erin. And, and we, we are Crime, Crime TV. TV. doing <laughs> i'm a little panicked you know panicked why are you panicked it's just my specialty oh my god get out of here okay this documentary is crazy yo faux shizzle my nizzle there's a lot of twists and turns and i just feel like some of the the actions that happen in this documentary or just, like, I was left so dumbfound. Yeah. It, that was more about the case, though, than the documentary. Like, I think the documentary itself was done pretty well. I, I kind of liked that it was interview-driven. Like, the interviews told the story. They didn't have to have a whole lot of extra narration and stuff going on, which sometimes can get a little stale. So I really liked that they had all the interviews. One thing I noticed, I don't know if you paid attention to this, too, but... I mean, I knew, obviously, they didn't have video of the things happening. Right. But usually in a crime documentary, a true crime thing, they have their big, like, this is a dramatization warning. They usually have, like, a big dramatization warning. And I did not get that. And I was... I mean, I knew better, but, you know, like... Yeah. I wanted them to tell me that was a dramatization. So, one of the things that I noticed first off the bat, was how they supplemented with home videos. The opening scene, is it looked like it was Jan performing at, like, a local parade. And you get initially this picture of this little girl that they had the overlay of Birch told saying, she is a very beautiful little girl, very bright and very lively. There were definite dimples in both of those cheeks. My heart went out to her. And then this statement ends with, I know that I had found the little girl that I was searching for. So I really feel like them inputting that line with the video of her being a happy, normal child really sets a tone for the type of documentary we're about to get into. Yeah, and I think it was kind of cool that they made the rest of the documentary feel like it was a home video. But that's also the same reason I wish they had made a clear distinction between what was like actual footage of Jan and the kids and what wasn't. Yeah. Because if you don't know them or who they are at first, like I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that those were actors until later when I looked it up on IMDb. They're actors? <laughs> I didn't look into that. <laughs> yeah, all of the video was actors. That's what I'm saying. I'm shook. So Shooketh. they have actual legitimate actors playing all Birch Told and all the kids. Like, that's what I'm saying. People may realize that some of the scenes aren't real because why would there be a video camera like in the camper? Right. But most of it was actors. So, Erin, you've blown my mind. So, like, what was real and what was fake? I needed that. Um, what do you call it when you're like giving a warning to the viewers? A disclaimer. A disclaimer. Anyway. So, yeah, I really liked how they set the tone. 
that this is like a small town homely like just real organic people so we think mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna go ahead and say it for you but i felt like they did a really good job of letting us know where in the storyline we were like it started with like day one act one scene one yes and then it just went chronologically they even went as far to include a hundred days since she mm-hmm. was kidnapped right we have it like not only the date and the years and in order, but we also have kind of a reference point. Yeah. A plus work there. For as long as this documentary, like the time period that I covered, I think that would be something crucial for the producers and directors, whoever is in charge of timeline. Definitely. To provide that to the viewers. Because this started when she was 11. And then, I mean, honestly, she's probably in her 60s now. Yeah. And there was items at the very end of the documentary where she's in her retirement era that it was crucial for us to know. It was good for us to know where in the timeline we were. Was she 11? Was she 14 or 16 or 60 years old? Yeah. At the time that all this happened. Definitely. Definitely. So overall, I mean, this documentary, I think it was done pretty well. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of issues with it as a documentary. Right. I think most of my... Beef? (laughs) I don't even know that I can call it beef. I I can't have a problem with it because it happened. Right. It's just... I don't even know what to think. This one takes a long time to process. Yeah. Just craziness happening. For the documentary itself, like, outside of what happened in this case, I like the documentary. I really yeah. did. I think that it was structured well. Things made sense. I really didn't have a whole lot of questions. No, and I kind of like that they included portions from later in her life where after she wrote her memoir with her mother and a little bit about how what happened when she was younger affected her Mm -hmm. as an adult because a lot of times in true crime docs we don't get especially from the victim's point of view because usually they're dead right we don't get that closure almost and so i think it really rounded out the documentary to have her as an adult talking about her experiences and reflecting on what happened and telling the viewers, how that affected her. Yeah. That was really nice. I appreciated that. And I read somewhere, I think it was Vanity Fair, that did an article on this. The director actually wanted to or wants to make a sequel. How would you build upon this? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. (laughs) Abducted in plain sight. Well, I think it... Abduction (laughs) 2? Well, you know, at the end... Jan spoke about how there were other victims and we don't know any of their stories. So maybe, maybe it could be some of the other victims if they felt inclined to speak on their experiences related to Jan's. Maybe. I noted that there were six other women that came forward and said that Birch told had sexually molested them as children. Yeah. So maybe that was part of what the sequel would be. Hmm. I'm intrigued. All right. So, Aaron. Yes? Can you tell the people what tea you're drinking today? I can. I have the package still. I save it. Because it comes in a little pyramid. It's very cute. It was really cute. It's 
It's got some bamboo on the side of it. That's not bamboo, that's tea leaves and I'm stupid. It's a white tea. I am drinking by Mudan and I have added a little bit of milk and honey because I like my tea sweet. That's a common theme. And I added milk and honey, said Aaron. <laughs> I always add milk and honey. It's just a little sweeter. It's better that way, creamier. So the tea I'm drinking today is the Big Low Benefits. It is a lemon and it's a hard word to say. It means coneflower, lemon and echinacea herbal tea. That sounds really good, actually. It sounds fancy. I like lemon teas. Well, I'm drinking this one black, no sugar, no honey, no milk. Like the badass motherfucker you are. It's like, yes, herbal tea. <laughs> Hulks out of her shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So now you know what tea we're drinking. I highly recommend the one I'm drinking today. I like mine. It's nice to go to refresher palate cleanser. Oh, you are fancy today. I know. Get it, girl. All right. How many cups of tea are you giving this one, Erin? I think I'm going to give this one three cups of tea. What? Why is that? Well, okay, to me, three is, like, neutral. Okay. That's, like, a pretty neutral score. Okay. There were parts where I kind of lost track of stuff, especially characters, because a lot of characters in this documentary have similar names and letters. We've got B, we've got Bob, we've got Birchtold, which I know is B, but they used them interchangeably, and then the Brobergs. It was a lot of Bs, and I feel like... They could have done a better job of mitigating some of that. Hey, you know what B stands for? Little yeah. bitch. <laughs> exactly what it is. And his brother, that's Big B, and that's Big Bitch. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. But yeah, so that's why three T's. Otherwise, it was done really well, I thought. I'm going to give it four T's. Four cups of tea for similar reasons. Okay. I do feel like there was... A lot happening here with all the different characters that are included, which I don't think that there would have been a way to get around that, really. I mean, it's their name. It's their names. We can't really change it. Fair. I mean, you can, but they're trying to stay true. And so sometimes it got kind of wonky, a little cattywampish, whenever all these people are like, Belissa, Baron, B, Birchtold, all the B names. So I was confused at some points. Because I almost wanted, for each time they said B or Birchtold or Bob, I would want them to, like, flash an image of who that is. Like a flip book to remind me who's who. Okay, well, let's jump right into this case then, because I think there's going to be a lot we want to talk about. A lot of tea to spill. So much. First off, I think it was probably, like, 15 minutes into this documentary. I had already texted you, and I was like, what is happening? Yeah. What is going on? It was crazy quite the reaction from you and you can see that on our instagram page you can at crime tv i just i don't know how any of that could have happened and i don't know if it's a difference between the 70s and now which is why we will have snippets from some people who would have been the same around the same age as jan Mm -hmm. during 74 to 76 ish to give a little bit of context 
on this time and what people's experience was because I know now like stranger danger is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one rule you learn as a kid is like don't go with strangers. And I get that Birch told wasn't a stranger. Right. So I think that's where a lot of people are like, well, stranger danger doesn't apply to here because he was a family friend because everyone knew him and loved him in the community and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, there's got to be a limit for... How far you'll let someone go? Yeah. Well, like, that was astounding to me. And I'm not even a parent. But I was like, that's... That's dodgy at best. Yeah. And in retrospect, after we learned everything that happened, one of the things that really got me is, or I guess, you know, they set the scene with, I knew that I had found the little girl that I was searching for. And you're like, mm, bad vibes, first off. <laughs> Definitely. So I, I immediately hate that. They're like, oh, his name was Robert Birchtold, but we called him B and Brother B. We just loved him. These people, even after everything had happened to them, they just, they talked about him like they adored him, that he was just the greatest thing in the world. I think it was to highlight the fact that he was a close family friend. He was trusted. He was basically a part of their family. Right. And I think that's maybe why they did that, to, to try and help the viewer understand. That he was so loved. The relationship. But the fact that they never turned away from him, Mm -hmm. especially after the first kidnapping, was just crazy. And then he made a statement that no man could love a woman anymore. Um, First off, she's a child. She's an 11-year-old child. She's not a woman. She is a baby. Like, this reminded me of the weird-ass Twilight I referred to Twilight in our last episode, too. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But whenever Jacob Black imprints on Bella's baby, he's just like, I gotta have her. I can't live without her. This is exactly what it was like. That's all I could think about. Actually, that is a little true. And now I'm gonna, like, rethink that entire book. Anyway, thank you for that. I I like to ruin anything I can for you. (laughs) But yeah, this just turned so weird and the question that i had that hopefully we can answer in my interview is i don't know how naive i was at 12. i i mean i just don't know right so i kind of think that i wouldn't have bought the whole alien thing though um when jan started going through this stuff she was about 11 years old which is about the same age that i started getting into true crime so like i was well woke (laughs) with stranger danger and stuff like this how people can be manipulative and maybe that's why i'm so like i don't know distrustful yeah i don't trust people easily you gotta earn it i'm just not gonna like give a stranger my trust so i think it would have been hard for me to believe an alien story like that would you believe an alien abduction story would i i would like to say no but but you were also 11 once right yeah and i don't remember much of that mm. got a bad memory <laughs> so obviously this whole case dragged out way too long yeah but the parents initially like in the first five minutes of this entire documentary they said that birch told had this fascination for jan just absolutely loved her 
Like, does that alone not throw a red flag for you? I mean, a little bit. But when I was watching it, I kind of took that as they were speaking on his fascination with her from when they did the interview. Not necessarily, like, that was more of a hindsight thing. Not something they may have noticed in the moment as much. So we get into day one of abduction, first abduction. And he says, oh, we're going to go horseback riding. You need to take your allergy pill. Surprise, surprise, that was a sleeping pill. So you don't fight me as much as I snatch you away from your family. And these people are just so damn gullible. (laughs) It's hard. Well, that's my other thing. I feel like an ass for saying this because it sounds like I'm victim blaming, which I am not. She was 12. I'm not blaming her at all. I'm blaming her parents. No, I know. But I'm saying like also as a 12 year old, if someone kept giving you an allergy pill that made you pass out and black Mm -hmm. out, would you keep taking that allergy pill? Highly suspicious. I'd probably be like, why do I fall asleep every time I take this? Even in a child innocence, I feel like you would have questions. So she's missing. Her parents started saying they were concerned for her. But they didn't want to get the cops involved because they didn't want to upset Gail, which is Birch Toll's wife. I don't give a flying flip about what Gail thinks. My daughter's missing and you're just going to have to be upset. Oh, that was absolutely insane that they were just like, ah, well, we'll just wait about a week and see if they come back. Like, what? Yeah, they said, didn't want to get everybody all worked up. Five days yeah your daughter has been missing and then that's when you decided to include the fbi five whole days yeah no that was that was absolutely insane and so they get the fbi involved and then here comes my second least favorite character out of this whole thing which is birchtold's brother i guess he had a need to fulfill as a pedophile because he was a pedophile so you know your brother is a creepy ass man And you're just gonna let it go. Like, oh, I guess he was a pedophile. Like, it does not matter. I agree. Really, really sus. But again, were those kinds of things as prevalent or known about or understood in the 70s as they are now? The signs of that, like the warning signs of that. Was that a thing in the 70s? Find out on our interview. Find out. And then, additionally, B tried to nab up two other little girls in their community before they found Jan and her gullible-ass parents. So, he, he has a track record. How did he not end up in jail way sooner? I think there was a lot of stuff that was just... Red flag, red flag, red flag. Something like this I don't think would happen today because... It would be nipped in the bud, like, so early on. The fact that this went on long enough for especially a second abduction, I don't even think that would happen today. This is just the tomfoolery that I cannot comprehend. No, this case is wild to listen to. A lot of ignorance, a lot of mishandling of stuff, a lot of just... I don't even know what to call it, honestly. Yeah. Just the fuckery. The fuckery. So then the mom starts talking about, oh, um, B called me, said he couldn't leave the store for lunch, and asked me to bring him down a sandwich. She went from dropping off hoagies to becoming the hoagie. 
I just. And then this was between abduction one and abduction two. Okay. Where I think he was kind of like solidifying this trustworthiness. But the way that the mom talks, if you watch the documentary, it's almost like she's reminiscing on like the most magical night of her life. She's just like, oh, like you can see like she feels it on her skin. Yeah. And she can just remember all the sensory that goes with her relationship with Birchtold. It's hard to imagine still feeling that way about somebody that did everything Birchtold did. And then they go on that church trip in Utah. And things get a little crazy. They do a little bit of necking. What is necking? Okay, so I had to put that in the Googles. And the Google said it's like caressing the neck and neck play. Like, I guess it's the best way I could describe it. What the fuck is neck play? Like caressing her neck and just, mm, mm. Just, oh yeah, choke me. <laughs> choke me let's have a good time (laughs) but i just can't get down and funky with that that you go on a church trip you go to jesus camp (laughs) and you're out there necking with somebody that's not your husband i wish that had been explored more in the documentary the relationship between the naivety and the trust of all of these people as a function of their religion and how it basically enabled this to happen yeah that is a complex and too deep for this podcast topic. We are not experts on religion. We not Believe going in, me. We are not going there. But, I mean, that would be a really interesting thing to explore. That could probably be a documentary in and of itself. I'm sure there is a documentary. We'll have to find it. <sighs> okay. So, the car trip with Birch Told and the dad. That was crazy. I was floored. That is the last thing that I expected. That was a twist if I've ever seen one. And then they said, they kind of laugh about it. Be like, oh, it's just kids stuff. And then he did it. He just like, oh, okay. I guess so. I guess that's what I'll do. Can you imagine being so charismatic that you can turn a devoutly religious Latter-day Day Saints man into a car hooker? Not a car hooker. (laughs) (laughs) He just, like, he just. Said it was cool. Didn't even question it. I mean, for someone that has never identified that way and still from the documentary appears and didn't definitely not identify that way, that was so random. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I just got to have some relief. Like, as a friend, would you relieve me? I would never be like, you know what, Aaron? I just really got the Jones in today for some sexual favors. Can you just do me a solid? The audacity. I know, like, that was uh, almost weirder than the the dad just being like, I guess, yeah. was the fact that Birch told asked. Who asks their platonic friend to do that? If you don't have a very clear friends with benefits situation with someone already established. Don't try to establish one with your church friends. And don't ask in like a car, in a car park also. Like, yeah, have a little bit more decency. Like take them for dinner or something right? first. Right, make it romantic. But so Birch Toll describes this as being like a pathway to get to Jan. The whole thing was so manipulative. And I mean, that's the point. That's what he right. wanted to do. He's trying to weasel himself in there. I can't even imagine being manipulative to that level though. Yeah. That is some serious evil. And then he said that part of his therapy was spending time alone with their daughters. And he had like this creepy, almost like a meditation tape. that was like, 
listen to the waves crashing as she caresses your skin. The blanket's so soft. So weird. Who would buy that? Who would buy that? Well, and then I appreciate the FBI agent saying, well, this guy was a licensed therapist, but he actually had his license revoked. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine that. I just hope the FBI has come a long way since all of this. The dad said he never had a single inkling that B wanted Jan so badly. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> you liar. <laughs> you never had an inkling? Not when he abducted her the first time? Right. Not when he took her out on solo trips all the time? Not when he said that he had to climb in bed with her? Right. They made the statement of... I don't know how we could have been so gullible when there were so many red flags, but I didn't see the red flags. How could you not? Because they came across really selfish. Like, they were only trying to protect themselves and not their daughter. Yeah, basically. And they admitted to that. They admitted that they were blinded by being so caught up with themselves trying to each hide and reconcile their guilt and shame over their own affairs with Birchtold. So they say that like, how are we so gullible? Why didn't we see these red flags? When this therapy lasted for six months and roughly four times a week, Birchtold slept in Jan's bed. I don't care how guilty or shameful you feel about your own actions. Like you do not allow that to happen. No, never. So the FBI agents told the family to stay away from the Birchtolds. But Gail showed up one evening asking to just speak with Bob, the dad. And she told Bob that they were going to drop the charges against her husband. And that they were going to sign these affidavits. And if they didn't, that they would be exposing the dirty laundry about the homosexual relationship that the dad and Birchtold had. I know Birchtold's wife declined to speak on the matter. But I would be really interested to hear this story from her point of view. Maybe it was a part of the religious stand by your husband no matter what mindset. But I think it would be really hard because she clearly knew about everything going on Mm -hmm. and didn't take any actions of her own. I found myself like frequently forgetting that he was married mm-hmm. during this all. And she knew about the affairs. She knew about the kidnapping. Assuming she knew about the abuse. And she knew about the marriage in Mexico and that whole kitten and caboodle. Like I said, I just forgot that he was married a lot of the time. Because that's not something a married person would do or no. allow or continue with knowingly. I don't know. This whole thing was just... A roller coaster. Yeah. And so the parents signed the affidavit like idiots. And the U.S. federal attorney for their district basically told them, you can drop the charges, but we're not. We're still going through with this. Because, I mean, ultimately they can do that. So then Birch told, approaches Marianne, the mom, and encourages her to get a divorce. And says that, like, they could live a happy life together. I guess playing, try to relight that old flame in her. Because obviously she's very infatuated with him. And this Marianne, she always says this line, I stay too long. Baby, it's time to get a timer. If he can't get out what he needs to say in 10 minutes, then it's time to hit the dope. And the mom claims she was in love with Birchtold, even after Birchtold snatched up her daughter twice. There was obviously some just serious 
misjudgments the entire way through. You know what a misjudgment that maybe a lot of people didn't catch up on? Tell me. Is that the dad goes to the bishop at their church and tells Jan's dad that he needs to make some decisions because Marianne is on the wrong path. We're not worried about Marianne. We're worried about the freaking predator that you guys let into your lives. Like there's literally somebody preying on your young daughter and you're just going to be like, oh yeah, well, Marianne is the real problem here. I just did not vibe with that. It's almost hard to talk about just because you don't know what to say to people making decisions like that repeatedly Mm -hmm. and not seeing the situation they were in until 30 years later. Yeah. And I want to comment, we finally figure out that years later, Jan has written this book with her mother. And I haven't read the book myself. I haven't seen a copy or gotten a hold of it. But I wonder how much of it is kind of taken over with the mother's portion of the events and how much is really Jan speaking from her experiences. Have you seen the book or read any of it? So I try to find a copy of it. It's not sold at your big box stores like Target, Walmart. Sure. Uh, I went to our local bookstore. They didn't have it. And the closest library that I could find that had it was uh, about two hours away. And then the nearest one after that was like six, seven hours away. Oh, okay. So for as much as I love our listeners, I was not about to go four hours round trip to get a copy of this book. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so if you happen to be somewhere that has a copy of the book and and or you've read it, shoot us an email. I want to know some of what the book was about. I'm very curious about that. So let us know, please. We've talked about it a little bit and Jan talks about this from her perspective as an adult Mm -hmm. towards the end as well. And I was trying to read a bit from the director and how they made this documentary, essentially. And I found out a really cool fact about Jan, actually, that a lot of people may not know. Mm -hmm. Jan, I don't know what ages, um, but Jan actually went on to become an actress. She is in quite a few episodes of some popular TV shows. Shut up. No, like she has gone on to become a successful actress she has i'm looking at imdb she has 49 titles that she's been in wow she had a long running role on everwood she has a small part in iron man 3 stop she's the senior technician of something or other in iron man 3 criminal minds she was in an episode of criminal minds i probably saw jan on the small screen You might have. And then she's recently been in quite a few Hallmark movies. So, like, yeah, she actually went on to become an actress and has some pretty notable titles under her belt. You go, Jan. You go. It's amazing what therapy will do. (laughs) So, I don't know that she was in therapy. I'm assuming she is. I would hope she would get therapy after this. Shit, I'm in therapy and, like, I'm fine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, Jan writes this book and then... While she's going on, like, her TED Talk book tour type of thing, Birchdale just starts showing up at these events. And he's like, "Mm, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. He's like, yeah, we had a thing when she was real little, but it was willing and there was no alien shit involved. So he, like, keeps going to these events and kind of harassing her. And so she presses stalking charges on him. And so... In the courtroom, we noticed that he's representing himself as his own attorney. You know who also did that, Aaron? Ted Bundy. 
Ted freaking Bundy. It's interesting to see the similarities between the way that people talk about their character and their charisma and how friendly and well-liked they were. And they have this sort of arrogance of representing themselves in court. It's very interesting, that, that dichotomy. Kind of a narcissist. We've talked about some narcissists before. Chris Watts. Turns out a lot of them turn out to be psychos. So he gets into more legal trouble. He gets three felony charges after he hit somebody with his car. Two misdemeanors. And then in the time that they're about to sentence him to prison, he commits suicide. Like takes the punk way out of this judicial process. Given the fact that he was like 80 something years old. And I actually found his obituary online. Really? And from like 19, what was it? Like 74, 73 up until the 90s. Like there's nothing in his obituary. Like they say, oh, he was born this day. Beautiful kids, wife. And then like there's that 25 year span or so. Where there's nothing. We're dead well, silent. You probably don't. People don't like to bring that up, probably. Right. But, you know, my petty ass write an obituary for someone to be like, so listen to what this guy did. Well, that's why you don't write obituaries. Yeah. That's why I have, like, an accounting type of job. Yes. Because. <laughs> I'm petty. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll say. So, this case, just a wild ride. If you guys have any comments, feedback, or... We are now also taking suggestions. If you have a documentary you are really interested in and would like to hear us talk about, we have links to that on our Instagram, at CrimeTV, T-E-A-V. You can also email us at CrimeTV at gmail.com. And, guys, we have a TikTok. We started a TikTok. CrimeTV. Spelled the same, as it always is. CrimeTV across the board. Find us there. Email, Instagram, TikTok. They're all there. All Crime TV. And keep listening to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So join us next week for Why Did You Kill Me on Netflix. Make sure and go watch that documentary. It is about an hour long. An hour 23. Hour 23. There you go. And also we are going to be uploading the interview. So if you'd like a little more context from someone who grew up in the 70s talking about their thoughts on this case after they watched it that will be up on our channel as a mini episode yeah so check that out too and we will see you guys next week bye